listening to CLNS Media, powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to clnsmedia.com slash roll. Use our promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your first deposit. Well, I think if you look at the Clippers, they, they have to be one of the favorites out there. And boy, did they, you know, slap at LeBron James. The big girls love that. Chicks love the last shot opportunity. Somebody give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth. All right, back with another episode of the Cedric Maxwell Podcast. I am Josue Pavone. He is Cedric Maxwell. Max, the last time we got together, man, the NBA looked very different compared to what it is today. And I'm talking about two trades in particular. Obviously, uh, the Westbrook one is the most recent one, but we didn't even get into the Leonard thing. The last time we got together, we were making our our predictions as to where he was going to go, whether it was going to be L.A., either one of those teams, or Toronto. You said Toronto, and then... We didn't know that in his back pocket he had Paul George, uh, a Paul George deal from OKC. Yeah, he, yeah, they had Paul George waiting for him. What what is your outlook on that team right now? Well, I think if you look at the Clippers, they they have to be one of the favorites out there. And boy, did they you know slap at LeBron James. Everybody's oh the Lakers are the favorite team, the favorite team, and Clippers pull off you know a, a, a hail mary mm-hmm. and get two great players and still keep Lou Williams. That core of players right now is that's going to be a hard a, a hard out. Right. Um, I think if you look at the um, overall tenor of both teams and you watch and see what Oklahoma did, I was just shocked. Actually, I was in the casino and somebody said, "Well, you know, um, the, the deal is done. Uh, you know, Kawhi Leonard has signed." And I was like, "He did?" And he said, "Yeah, he signed with the Clippers." I was like, "Oh, okay," but. Paul George. I said Paul George, <laughs> I, and I was trying to figure like who did they, who did the Clippers give up for Paul George? Mm-hmm. And they gave up all these picks and all these different things. And you know, I don't know what the picks are going to be, but I know Paul George is a legitimate star. The picks could be one thing, but Paul George is a legitimate star. And and uh, I, I think that um, the Clippers did themselves really well, uh, but also there was a pretty good haul by um, uh, OKC and and what they did, too. Absolutely. Four first-round picks. Absolutely. Four first-round picks. You have two of those are protected. But you're in really good shape if you're looking at the future. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Shea, uh, Gilgis, Alexander. He he was part of the trade. Danilo Gallinari. You know, guys that will just take up space for now in terms of the cap, and then Mm -hmm. they'll probably move on after that. But, I mean, if you're OKC, you did the best you could. And I think a lot of this trade, in particular those draft picks, very reminiscent of what happened in 2013 between the Celtics and the Nets. You know, well, I feel like that's sort of the model yeah. for a lot of these teams that are like, okay, if we have to shut it down, start things well, back over. That, well, the only difference in the that Celtics, Celtics and the Nets was you talking Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett mm-hmm. at the end of their careers. Mm-hmm. Paul George is still in his prime. MVP candidate. And so yeah. I, that that is completely different in how you would look at that trade. And then you start talking about the uh, the picks being unprotected. And what they could be, you don't know. Some of them are the Clippers' pick. Mm-hmm. So if the Clippers are going to be real good, those picks aren't going to be really good picks. But I think they have one from Miami, and they have another one from somebody else. So I think that could be, uh, you know, that could really help them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you look at uh, OKC, pretty good general manager there who does a, a lot of good work. Sam Presti, yes. that's right. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, yeah. You look at all those draft picks that they got, and then now we start talking again about the player empowerment. Paul George dictating, okay, look, I want to get out of here now because Kawhi Leonard wants to team up with me. Mm-hmm. And now you've, you've changed the entire franchise because as soon as that shoe dropped, now comes the Westbrook trade to Houston. What does that mean for the Rockets, in your opinion? Well, the Rockets have uh, gone to another level. you got two guys who really like each other, two guys who compete, but also two guys who have to have the ball to be effective. Mm. So I don't know how it works out, but it gives them two dynamic players and, on top of that, two guys who were MVPs. Right. That's, a, that's a pretty good thing for Houston. And uh, you know, just kind of feel sorry for um, – you don't really feel sorry, but, you know, um, Chris – to get out of there the way he did CP is just like, oh my goodness, he's out of there. He's sitting to OKC and uh, Chris Paul, and now it doesn't look like he's going to be a guy who's going to stay there. Mm-hmm. Where does he finally end up? Yeah. So it's been all these transitional things that you and I, I that I love. And uh, I know our guy, Nick, you know, he. Uh, he hates it. He hates it. Nick Jelso, CLS Media. He yeah. hates it. He hates it. And I don't know why he hates it because, you know, he, he stole something from me. So, well, you know, he, I think he used on some show. He said, well, how would you like to be on a small market like that? Like, uh, okay, see now. Now, how would you like to be a season ticket holder? Well, they they weren't going to any place fast. No. Uh, they wanted to transition. And you got uh, Pressy, who is a who's been a genius at making picks mm-hmm. and changing things up. You look what he's done. He's had three MVPs, Durant, Harden, and Westbrook, were all MVPs that were all drafted by OKC. So, you know, if I give that guy a lot of picks and some time on his hands, I think that they can make a, they can make some moves, and I think it would be quicker than, 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 than not. Right. Well, that's what I mean, though, by that trade, though, like the Brooklyn thing. Obviously, the players are different, but when we're talking about assets and collecting these draft picks and what that can do for a franchise, the Celtics have sort of set the model of how to do it quickly. And I think, like you say, now you got these key uh, pieces from the Clippers, players who could eventually be role guys, and then you got these upcoming first-round picks that could turn into cornerstone franchise players, mm-hmm. and there you go. Your rebuild is, is done within, I don't know, three, four years. Well, and, you know, it, it depends. Again, it depends on how you are as a team. How did we bury the Nets mm-hmm. when all of a sudden those three first-round draft picks were coming to the Celtics? Mm-hmm. And everybody was like, oh, my God, the Nets will never, ever, you know, come up again. And now you look at the Nets as one of the top teams right now yep. in the Eastern Conference, and to get the rant and Ky- uh, Kyrie, they they made a transition that nobody no saw coming. Yeah. So for the NBA, everybody you know Nick likes to say, "Well, this is killing the NBA." Well, first there's revenue sharing mm-hmm. in the league. Then on top of that, I think there are always going to be small market teams that aren't going to be there, uh, and the overall health of the NBA is what. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. You're, you're talking about the NBA right now in the middle of baseball season, and nobody was even concerned about the All-Star game. They were talking about who got traded in the NBA. The health of the NBA is great. We can talk. You can talk about football being the national pastime, and I think it is. I think it's past baseball. It's past you know um, uh, foot, foot ba- football and basketball. You know all those things. But I think football is number one. Baseball is second. Then maybe you know the NBA. But 
my point would be that the NBA is a global game. Mm-hmm. The NBA, the NBA is probably, to me, in my opinion, probably would be second only maybe to uh, soccer. Because mm-hmm. you think where it's played at. The NBA is huge in China. Mm-hmm. There are two billion fans there right. in China. Stephon, Stephon Marbury proved that point. They got a statue built of Stephon Marbury after he went there to play. The game is done in Africa. The game is played in throughout Europe. Mm-hmm. The game is played right now in some South American countries. So, you know, you look at it, it's played in Russia, uh, uh, Africa. All these, all these places are being played. So the game's popularity is only getting better because its marquee players have kind of marched to a different tune mm-hmm. and have made some of these teams super teams. Right. And you can't wait to see what the next season is going to be like. Yeah, but you look at these superstar teams that have these you know elite talent, but then we're forgetting that there's still more talent coming in. There's always new guys being mm-hmm. funneled into the league. Mm-hmm. And it's not just people who were born in the U.S. You know, the rest of the, the Europe, and you look at so many guys who come over from overseas and have been successful – like, that wave of talent never ends. That flow never ends. Yeah. And if that's the case, those are the guys that are going to help out the, the lower uh, well, you look at the New small Orleans. market team. Yeah, look at a small market team like New Orleans. Everybody, oh, New Orleans dead. They can't mm-hmm. do this. They can't do and Anthony Davis wants to leave. They get lucky in the draft. They get the top player in the draft. Yep. They make different trades. They move different people around. It's been one of those things where they have made a re- uh Resurgence, and that you're just going, oh wow, this is going to be a, a fun year for right. New Orleans with some of the younger players they have. You know, you talk about Westbrook and Harden getting back together. I, I can't wait to see how that story unfolds. I think that's what's most interesting. These two guys have been to the NBA Finals before. Mm-hmm. They haven't reached that plateau ever since, and now they have a chance to do it mm-hmm. again. They're smarter this time, though. They're MVPs now. How does that? How did those two guys figure that out? Well, I think like you said from the beginning about them sharing the ball. Well, I think the thing that really happens in in with that particular dynamic is going to be the fact that you're talking about two great players, two players who've been MVPs, so they're not striving for mm-hmm. that. Two players who have made multiple All Star teams. Two players right now who have already got max deals and more money than they could ever spend. So now it starts to be about basketball. And if it's about basketball and you put two talented players together, they'll find a way. Mm-hmm. It's like, you remember when people start talking about the dream team? Oh, my gosh, too much talent on the team. They'll never play together. Oh, this, that, and the other. The dream team is saying now is the greatest assembly of assemble number of basketball players ever to play the All game. Time, yeah. That you're going, oh, wow, look what they did. And it was so good. You know, it was, They were so good, the dream team, the number one team, that they were on the court playing, and the opposition, there were guys on the bench who were taking pictures. Basketball. <laughs> yeah. Taking pictures of the guys in your garden. I think it was Magic Johnson said some guy was just smiling away. He, he looked over, and there was one of the players on the bench who had the camera taking a picture. How, how demoralizing is that? Or how good are you when right. that happens that, you know, this guy that you're guarding you, that you, you, you know, you guard him. He's trying to yeah. tap you up like yeah. a good move, man. Yeah, he's trying to get in the picture. Like, <laughs> normally, you're trying to get out the picture. This guy's trying to get in the picture. guy right now can actually say, wow, I played against Jordan. Right. I played against. He's putting hey, that poster hey, up on his Hey, wall. you see, see me? That's me right there getting dunked on by Jordan. <laughs> 
so so the NBA game is just you know, it's it's a global game and this commitment right now and I, you know as much as I, I I like Nick I think that he is so far off base with this <laughs> when he starts talking about it. But he's not he's not the first guy you've heard this from though, is he? Well, no, he's not. A lot of but but I'm way. just talking about somebody I know right now who's keeps making this argument right now about the players and and the players having too much power. At the there are things about the NBA where we talk about, and we won't say the owners, we'll say the governors. That's right. That's right. It's governors now. The governors are all billionaires. Mm-hmm. And what they do with their teams, these are small companies of theirs. Not not major. These are small companies which deal to a conglomerate of bigger things that they have. Mm-hmm. These guys are writing billion-dollar checks. You talk about OKC, how poor they are. Oh, my God. They got those first-round picks, got revenue sharing. And then on top of that, the value of the team, because the NBA has gotten only better, the value of the team has gone up each and every year, I guarantee right. you. And you can say that about a lot of teams. Yeah, you say about a lot of market yeah, teams. smaller market teams. Look at the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah. Mean, they're going to be around for a while. Well, they're one you, of the top in, teams in the East. As long as you have Giannis, sometimes you just have to be lucky. Right. You know, Kawhi Leonard and Giannis. These were two guys who were not taken with lottery picks. Mm-hmm. So those are really, you know, things that you can look at and you can point to to say teams are going to get better. Tony Parker was taken like 15 or 16 after we we picked, the Celtics picked, then took Joseph Forte. Then he's, was, he's a Hall of Famer. Kelly Olenek was taken the pick before Giannis, Giannis yeah. if you want to start talking about things that happen. Right. And, uh, you know, Danny has done a great job of, uh, evaluating talent. I was going to ask you about that. And what getting guys. Yeah, Dan's yeah. done a great job of evaluating talent and getting guys. I mean, how do you get Rondo that late in the draft? Mm-hmm. Paul Pierce was was a gift. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't to um, it wasn't Danny's pick, but he was a gift. Yeah. As a lot of people just mixed, missed, missed out on him. They thought he was going to be the he thought he was going to be the second player picked in the well, draft. They made it easy for him for the Celtics, I should say, because it was either you take Paul or you take Dirk. Yeah. So whoever, yeah. whichever Dallas picks, yeah. you got the other right. guy. That's and right. You're 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 and argue argue you're golden talking, from there. Talking about two guys who are taken with those picks might be the best two players ever taken with those picks. Yeah. This episode of the Cedric Maxwell Podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. When you head over to clnsmedia.com slash max and enter the promo code CLNS50, you get 50% back on your first deposit. Thanks to our friends over at BetOnline.ag. Head over to clnsmedia.com slash max, enter the promo code CLNS50, and you'll get 50% back on your first deposit. All right, let's get back to this podcast. You know what else is incredible? I, I like how now it's not the, uh, the the big three anymore. It's the duos now. You know what I mean? You got you got LeBron and Anthony Davis. You got uh, Kawhi and George. You got Westbrook and Harden. You got Durant when he's healthy. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and Kyrie. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because it's like, all right, maybe the whole big three thing. Maybe there's always that third guy who's not. Well, you get the maybe third. not dis- maybe not unhappy, but this that third guy who's like, ah, I got one foot out the door, one foot with you guys. So it's like, okay, you know what? It's just me and this other guy. Well, sometimes it's the talent level of it's. It's not necessarily the the, the big two or the big three. It's the ancillary players mm-hmm. who make championship teams. I mean, you go up right now to Toronto, and you start thinking about it. With Kyle Lowry, was he? One of the top guards in the NBA? No. He was an ancillary player. Who yeah. Siakam was an ancillary player who really played well. Mm-hmm. Van Bleek was an ancillary yeah. player that played well. And they all they stepped got, up. The yeah, they yeah. stepped up and, yeah. 
and they became they became a unified team. So that is one of the things you really look at. What do you think about possibly changing the playoff format? Instead of having the top eight teams from each conferences, top sixteen teams face off, sixteen versus one. So you got West Coast teams going up against East Coast teams. Love it. I would love that. Too. I would love it. I think that you know everybody. Well, how about the teams that that don't make it in the East and the teams? That's your fault. <laughs> It's your fault. You are not the top 16. And I like it because now (coughs) that teams who really busted their hump, who won 50 games out west, or is it going to be out Mm -hmm. east, and now they're going to be a playoff team. And then you're going to have playoff scenarios which you would have never thought of unless you were in the championship. For instance, let's say the Lakers and the Celtics meet in the first round. How good would that be? How cool would that be? Or the Clippers and, you know, Miami meet or whoever whoever it might be that's going to really be different. So I would like it. And at the end of the day, the best two teams come together and they play. Mm -hmm. I I would really like that. And that's the reward of being the top seed. You go against the 16th instead of the the, the 8th. But you look at the way it is now, there's so much talent. It's so lopsided now with the West Coast. I bet the, the next playoffs, right, I bet the number 8 seed, from the from the Western Conference would probably be a five seed in the East. That's, like that's how the gap is. Well, that's that, how big it's gotten. Well, that's how it was playing during the eighties. It was the Lakers and everybody else out west. And but in Boston, but in the East, it was Boston, it was Philly, and Milwaukee all battling at that time, having great records, but always playing each other. So that's just the nature. That's how it revolves in all these games which you play. What are the teams right now in the East? I know it's early, but um, let's do it anyways. I would say Philly. Toronto has dropped off. Um, but Philly. Philly's your number one? Philly, no, no. I, I still like Milwaukee. Milwaukee's Me my too. number one. Yeah. Uh, Philly would be number two. Um Celtics could conceivably number three or four. I think you have to also look at um, Indiana. It's going to be bad, mm-hmm. especially with Oladipo coming back. If he comes back healthy and Brogdon playing together, they're, they're going to be formidable. Um, there are teams out there are going to be surprising teams. And what happens when uh, Brooklyn gets Durant coming mm-hmm. back? Yeah. So uh, right now, but I, I'd say the top four would be uh, OKC, I'm not, excuse me, not OKC, but Milwaukee would be, uh, Boston would be, um, Philly would be another team, and and I want to say Brooklyn. Brooklyn would be in the mix, and everybody else kind of mm-hmm. fit in where they get in. Yeah, especially because we don't know what's going to happen with Westbrook. If, if, yeah. if they're able to make a deal with with Miami, all of a sudden you got another duo, Westbrook well, and Butler. You know? Yeah, or if, if, you know, you say Miami, you're saying that you, you're talking about uh, Paul, I mean, you're talking about Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. and uh, um, Oh, that's uh, right. Excuse me. Yeah, Chris Paul. Chris Paul, Chris and, Paul and, and, and yeah, Paul, yeah. If they're able to do that, right. that's, that's a dynamic duo. But again, so look at the age, too. Chris mm-hmm. Paul is 34 years old. And from, for a guard, it's harder to keep up with these young guards, you know, with all the guys coming in here yeah. who are young, dynamic guards. Especially and, the way he scores. Yeah. yeah. So that's going to be, it's going to be a whole other transition. But how incredible is that for the Celtics, though? You lose Al Horford. You lose Kyrie Irving. You still consider a top three, four team in the East. Well, I think that, you know, it it really just shows you the talent level they had before. Mm -hmm. You know, the key to what happens again is going to be Gordon Haywood. How Gordon Haywood comes back. If Gordon Haywood comes back and reaches any any place close to being an all-star, 
Celtics are going to really be good. Mm-hmm. They're going to be very good. Kimba's going to be an all-star almost out the door the way he shoots the basketball. Uh, Gordon Hayward, if he can come back, and Brown and Tatum, mm-hmm. and you got young players and Marcus Smart, and you lost some key players to me, you know. But uh, overall, I still, and I think another year of Brad learning mm-hmm. the NBA because mm-hmm. I think last year was really uh, eye-opening moment for Brad. <laughs> Just looking bit. how the things that you know you thought were going to go so smooth and you were going to transition with Kyrie and Gordon coming back to it being pretty much you were stuck in a quagmire. Mm. I'm glad you brought up Gordon Hayward because I feel like people aren't talking about him enough. I feel like everyone's like, oh, this is Jalen's team now. This is, oh, excuse me, this is Jason's team now. This is Tatum's team. And you got you got Brown and Kemba. But well, wait a minute now. Gordon Hayward, let's not forget, was an all-star yeah. when he was signed by the Celtics. Let's not forget that he now gets a lot more touches, or at least is, a, is more. It's a, a focal point of the offense a little bit more now because he's without Kyrie. You know, it's a little different when your point guard's Kyrie Irving as opposed to Kemba Walker. Well, when he was at his best, and when he was at Utah, he was a playmaker. He was he was ball dominant. Mm-hmm. He was a great decision maker. He was a great scorer, shooting the jump shot, attacking the rim, but also making plays on the go. That is because he didn't have the ball as much. I don't think he had the ability to do it or the confidence mm-hmm. last year where I think he'll be a lot more confident coming into this season mm-hmm. than he was last season. They're saying he's already in the gym. He's been in the gym since soon as, uh, weeks removed from, yeah, that, from the that, playoffs. That's you know? a beautiful thing yeah. if you're a Celtic fan. And, and I'm sure he wants nothing but that. And um, I was talking to a couple guys who were scouts and – and the scout was talking to me. He said he went up to Gordon. He went up to um, Gordon Haywood, and he talked about him. He said, "Everybody who laughed at you, you make a list and put this guy on the list and that guy on the list, and said, okay, I'm back.' So it's going to be an interesting season for him. It's going to be a great proving season for him right. to to see if he can bounce back. And you know what else would help the Celtics too? If one of these rookies stands out, you know, I. I do expect one of these guys to make an impact to be a rotation player, but the hype behind some of these guys, and I'm thinking of one guy in particular, Taco Fall, I don't know, Max. The Celtics fans need to pump the brakes a little pump bit. Pump the brakes, fans. I mean, take it easy. You're, you're talking, you had 60 picks in the NBA draft. He wasn't taking on either one of them. And he's seven foot four, seven foot five. Can he do some things? He has some certain skills? Yeah. But how does that translate? Everybody gets excited right. about the summer league. Well, you know, memo to everybody out there. Most of the guys in the summer league don't play in the regular. Don't play in the regular season. <laughs> They're not on teams. Right. I mean, it reminds me of that Geico commercial where the guy has a a walrus in net and they, and they can't score. And the guy's like, "Oh Jesus, it's, it's a walrus." Taco Bell is seven foot four, seven foot five. I mean, I, I don't know how. And I always said the game now is if you're over seven feet tall, you're essentially a dinosaur in that game. Right. Because you have to find ways to be utilized. I mean, right. there are not a lot of Anthony Davises out there with his skill set at over seven feet tall, able to run the floor, guard multiple positions. Mm-hmm. That's what you have to do now. Right. Well, I think with Taco, too, is that, you know, I don't, I'm not against the Celtics, you know, giving the guy a roster spot. I think he has, he has a shot at making the team. But if you expect this guy to be a rotation player, for a team that's supposed to be top four, like we said in the Eastern Conference, that's not a good look, right? Not a good look at all. No, not right that's now. That's not where you want to be. No, no. I don't think that you look at him as, you know, you're looking at somebody who needs to replace Al. Right. 
who sets strong right. picks, who rebound the basketball, you, you don't think who Taco's can shoot, that guy, shoot the ball from the outside. You don't think he could be the new starting center? I don't see Taco as being that particular guy. Uh-uh. No. I like Grant Williams, though. And you actually had a chance to speak with him before he started uh, playing in, in, in the summer league, right? I had a great chance to speak to him on the plane. Uh, I was actually coming back the day, the day after he got drafted. And... Wow. Um, uh, we were we happened to be on the same plane. Jet Blue coming up. Him and his mom were standing at the counter. Uh, he has Tennessee uh, uniform, you know, part of it on. And I said, "Are you going up to see the Celtics?" And his mom just piped out, "Yes, my son got drafted." And I told her I was. She said, "Oh my God!" And I was in Charlotte. He said, "My father loves you. He was a principal. He grew up watching you play." And and he and I, Grant, we we both sat down and we talked and get on the plane, and I'm sitting right beside him all the way to Boston. That's so as soon as the, the plane landed, I did I did like to fly to tennis, walk him home. <laughs> so he was really really a very cool, very uh, uh, confident kid. As a matter of fact, we exchanged numbers, and you know, I, I text him from time to time, and I said, you know, good luck with, you know, and, and I'll see you during the, during the fall. That's great. Mm-hmm. That's, see, that's what I like about him. I can see that on the court. I see that confidence. Mm-hmm. He's very vocal. Mm-hmm. Uh, his his uh, defensive tenacity, the way he's able to go out and guard the perimeter and bang down low, sort of like a, uh, an old-school power forward that that kind of toughness that the Celtics need, mm-hmm. especially on the defensive end. Yeah, well, you always need... Uh, you know, rebounding was uh, wasn't the forte mm-hmm. of the Celtics. How many times they get beat on that? And when the Celtics were close rebounding, and that's what I like about him, the fact he's going to get some dirty points. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum gets those real cool points, the jump shot, smooth jumper, breaking down, shot, crossover, yeah. all that. Yeah. Jalen Brown, there are times when he will attack the rim and get a little dirty. But for the most part, I like the guys who are around the paint, who are the groundhogs. Or get your rebound here, get a tap out, mm-hmm. do things like that. It's going to make your team better. And defensively, just being tough enough, maybe to go, you know, try to guard somebody. Right. I see a little Draymond in him. You yeah, see that? it would be nice to. I see. I see that yeah. same sort of attitude and approach. Let's say, like they used to say in college to me, a poor man's great. Okay. Draymond. Okay. You know, That's so yeah. so I think that would it, it, if if that was the case, I think the Celtics would be very happy. Yeah, him and someone like Marcus Smart, yeah, mm-hmm. talking smack, showing that grit, that toughness. I'm excited for this team. I really am. I, I don't have huge expectations, but it's, it'll be a fun season. Well, I think last year the expectation level was so high mm-hmm. and so unrealistic, and I think from everybody because. In the beginning of the year, they were asking me about it. I said, well, if you don't get to the Eastern Conference Finals, I don't think that, you know, it was a good season. It turned out that, you know, they won the first round against Indiana, but that was a team that wasn't going to beat them unless they had Oladipo. Mm-hmm. And uh, to play the way they did in the first game against Milwaukee and then get blasted in those next four just wasn't a pretty thing to be around to watch. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was my initial prediction, too. I, I thought they would bow out and get the Conference Finals against the Raptors, mm-hmm. but... Of course, that didn't happen. We'll see what happens this upcoming season. But that's going to do it for us, this episode of the Cedric Maxwell Podcast. I appreciate everyone for tuning in, of course. And thank you for you subscribers, man. If you haven't already, please subscribe. Give us a rating. It really helps us out. It means a lot to us, man. And uh, that's about it, Max. You got anything else? That's it. Holla. Until next time. The big girls love that. Chicks love the last shot opportunity. Somebody give me a napkin so I can wipe my mouth. Ah.